John, are we live? We are live. What's going on, buddy? It's been a while. It has been. How are you, sir? I'm good. I'm excited. This is a new one for us today. We have two people on FaceTime with us from different parts of the world and two people in studio. So I think it's a record for the number of guests we've had and then the different locations we've had. So I'm pretty excited. I am too, my man. This is cool. You've uh, been busting your butt back there trying to make this all work. Yeah, but it's worth it. And uh, I've been sitting here doing nothing and just waiting for the show to start. So I feel guilty. It's <laughs> all right. It's all right. Um, so uh, how was Christmas and New Year's? I'll be quick because I want to jump yeah. into this and uh, we can come back at Christmas the end and chat. Christmas was great. Uh, Christmas was great. New Year's was great. A lot of family, a lot of friends. Uh, Santa was very generous. And, uh, you know, just, just the norm. But uh, the weather was beautiful, so we were outside quite a bit. And, uh, yeah. That's about it, man. How about you? About exactly the same. Yeah. Loved the weather, hung out with family and friends, and that was about it for me, too. Awesome. Very Nursing good. the shoulder. It's a little bit better than last time we uh, were on the show. I can move you my arms better. around, which yeah. you hate. More energy. I block cameras and yeah. stuff when I move my arms around. Yeah, well, we'll talk about that uh, towards the end of the show. Yep. All right. Cool. So, Should we uh, jump in? Yeah, why don't we just jump in because we've got some people all over the country we are very excited to talk to, plus two people right here yeah. we want to talk to. So. Cool. You, sir? Yeah. So uh, for those of you watching or if you're listening to this after the show airs, we have two guests that are coming to us with the magic of FaceTime. Uh, Carrie Mandel and Brian Cronin, they are running the World Marathon Challenge, which is seven marathons in seven days on seven continents, which is insane. So literally, they're going to run a marathon on a continent, jump on a plane, go to another continent, run another marathon jump on a plane and do that seven times over, uh, which is insane because running a marathon in and of itself is a crazy athletic feat. They are doing it seven times with all that travel and lack of rest built in. And then in studio, um, we're gonna also have two guests. We have a return guest, Christopher uh, Bowles, who was is with the American Cancer Society, he was on I think a month and a half or two months ago. Mm -hmm. He's a rock star. And um, we have Kyra, I'm not going to butcher your last name. Rosellis. Rosellis yep. in studio with us as well. And we're going to chat with them a little bit after we, John, we're going to do FaceTime first and then yep. chat in studio. Yep. Awesome. So I'm going to jump in with Carrie and Brian. I'm going to toss out tons of questions uh, to you guys. You can both answer them, answer them one at a time, uh, however you guys want to take it, because I'm curious to get both of your takes on so many of these topics. Thank you for joining us, by the way. Um, so... I'll just start with what got you guys uh, into running and then what took you guys from running a, a marathon to wanting to do this incredible athletic feat that's uh, uh, almost impossible to imagine for me. Uh, Carrie, why don't you go first? Okay. Go first. So um, I guess I started my running career about eight years ago and um, started my, my first marathon in 2014. And if you would have asked me about 10 years ago, I never thought that I would ever run. I didn't think I had a runner's body. This is something that I was capable of. And, um, you know, one day I just, you know, was trying to change my life, lose a little bit of weight. And I went outside and I ran a block. And the next day I ran a little bit further. Um, when my husband and I moved from Boston to New Jersey is when I joined a running group over on Princeton. And, um... I was, you know, running with these people and they were trying to run at the time. And they were training for so many different events and races and things. And I said, well, if I'm here, I'm doing it. I might as well kind of join them. 
So that's how it kind of started. And once I started being able to run, I just kind of fell in love with it. Um, and, you know, signing up with the race of the 10 miler from there was a half marathon. And then um, ultimately, you know, jumping into a full marathon, which was Philly in 2014. Um, then once I did that, I felt like invincible, like anything was possible. So I um, just kind of discovered the joy of running. And um, my favorite quote is, life begins at the end of your comfort zone. So I'm always looking for ways to challenge myself and um, to step outside my comfort zone. And with marathon training, that was something that certainly um, was uncomfortable. From there, I was been seven and a half years running. I completed um, all six of the world major marathons. Um, after that, I kind of checked off the Ironman off my bucket list, and then I was like, what am I going to do from here? Um, a friend of mine told me about this crazy challenge, and I was like, that is right up my alley. So kind of how it all kind of started. I want to be curious at the end of this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save this question for the end, or I'll ask it now, and I'll come back to it. I wonder what you're going to do from here. It's a question I wanted to ask you guys. What's going to be the next thing that excites you guys? Because... There's only seven continents, unless you guys are planning on running it on seven different planets. You guys, uh, I think, have kind of hit the pinnacle of running, but I'll ask you guys later. Um, Brian, love to hear your background and how you got into this uh, running adventure as well. So for me, um, growing up, I was not an athlete, so to speak. I, I mean, I like to play baseball and soccer and stuff, but I was never really on any teams in high school, college, anything like that. Um, and working in restaurants for so long and stuff, I actually was a 20-year smoker, almost. So that's the opposite of running seven marathons in seven days, kind of. Um, but so when I, I quit smoking, it would be um, almost nine years ago, and I started running little bits before I would go uh, work with a trainer, just making myself healthy and stuff. And some people at work were like, you're running a bunch now. I'm like, yeah, I'm starting to really enjoy it. But at that point, I'd run up to maybe three miles, five miles. But it was nice. I lived in San Francisco at the time, so it was also gorgeous just running along the water. And so it was a great mental like meditation and getting myself healthy. So I enjoyed that part of it. Some friends at work were like, you know what? We should sign up for the Chicago Marathon because at that time, there was no lottery. You could actually just sign up for it for the 2012 school. It was like, you just had to get on there and sign up as quickly as you could. I'm like, okay, that's cool. Then I thought, 26 miles, that's a long way. I don't even drive that far to go to work. It's closer <laughs> to get to Napa Valley at the beginning of it than it is to run a marathon. But I nonetheless said, sure, I'll do it. Um, then is when things, uh, you know, life completely changed. At the end of 2011, my mom was diagnosed with uh, ovarian cancer, and about six weeks later, she passed away. Sorry to hear and that. I totally forgot to register for the race, of course, because life was just a little bit nuts. A few months later, it kind of popped into my head again. And of course, I went to the website for Chicago Marathon, and it was completely sold out. And I think serendipity, kismet, whatever you want to call it, kicked in, and it said, would you like, you could sign up with a charity, and the first charity that was listed, I think, was ACS. Um, but I'm like, oh, this is beyond perfect. Um, so I made a phone call, and then they were like, yeah, we have some spots open. And I remembered my family dealing, use, utilizing ACS. I had totally forgotten about cancer in my family for a long time, or it was just out of mind, so to speak. I didn't forget. But they actually helped my with my grandmother a lot. She passed away from cancer. And this was in the early 80s. And I was talking to my dad about it. And he was like, yeah, they helped bring 
at the time, um, a nurse to her house for her last week of life. And things. I'm like, this would actually be awesome. So then I registered with them and I ran my first marathon in 2012. And since then, you know, I've run 19 of them. Like Carrie, I did a couple half Ironmans and I did all six of the world marathon majors in 2016 because I wanted to do something big. And at that time, it heard about the World Marathon Challenge. And I think maybe six months, seven months later, I sent a message to both Chris and uh, Kyra, and I was like, could we do something like this? And uh, lo and behold, you know, a year and a half later or so, it was like, yeah, we can. Oh. <laughs> so that means I have to do this now. Oh <laughs> Got to get to training now. <laughs> I have to run again. Um, and, uh, you know, Carrie, um, she said she's like a, a, a diesel and she keeps going and going and going. It's not about speed. I'm more like the Fiat from the 80s where when I'm working, <laughs> be amazing or I'm broken down. So it's, but I love it. And running, you know, I don't know what I'd do next to answer your question. So I, we can get back to that later. But yeah. it's really become a major part of my life. And then I, we'll talk about the ACS a lot more. But, it's it's grouping a lot of things together. Well, you're both incredible. Congratulations. It, it It's you. crazy to me that you're not lifelong runners. I, when I imagined somebody who, and I was looking up the World Marathon Challenge, when I imagined somebody who would run it, I would have thought of somebody who's been running their whole life and they've been running for 30 years and this is just kind of the pinnacle of marathon running. The two of you, in basically in less than a decade, have gone from non-runners to signing up to now becoming probably the elite of the elite runners. And there, there's a very motivational backstory to that of you can basically do anything you want to do so long as you put your mind to it. Brian, you know, in your case, being a smoker, I know tons of smokers. Tim in my office, who I know is watching because I can see who's watching from time to time. Uh, he just gave up smoking maybe a year ago because he just had his uh, his first baby. And I couldn't imagine, no offense to you, Tim, I couldn't imagine him running, you know, seven marathons in seven days on seven continents in, you know, less than 10 years. So uh, unbelievable work from both of you. Tell me, uh, I'll ask you kind of a fun question. What's your favorite uh, or your most excited for location coming up soon? Which continent? Yeah, which continent? I cannot wait. I love snow and I'm just really excited to be out there and... I'm, that's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, I'm in, uh, I, I'm in the same uh, Antarctica I'm most excited about. It's not the first place where I would think about, gee, I want to go to Antarctica. I mean, cool sink penguins, things like that. But I don't think I'll ever step foot on Antarctica again. I'll never say never. But I don't have a reason or a need to like, oh, let's go back so we can go check out this site, which is just snow. Um but to just be on Antarctica and have one side be mountains and the other side be white for as long as the eye can see and knowing I'm at the bottom of the earth is just kind of crazy. Yeah. It's kind of a, I know it's going to be very surreal there. You know, when you have the out of body experience, when something's going on, I don't want to think about what I'm going to feel, but I have a feeling that it'll be uh, something like that. And I, I had no idea what the weather patterns in Antarctica were until like two hours before the show when I checked the weather out, it's still very, very cold, but it's considered their summer month. So it's the tourism month. If, if they have a ton of tourists uh, ever wanting to go visit down there. Um, 
how are you guys going to be planning for the weather down there? Because it's going to be colder than I presume any marathon you guys have ran in the past. Actually, um, so if you look on uh, like weather.com or anything like that, I think right now it says Antarctica is negative two. Okay. But there's a major, and I, I knew absolutely nothing about Antarctica besides it was a continent and there's emperor penguins there <laughs> until we were doing this. And so I started doing some research and there's a major scientific base below every continent and then a bunch of small ones. The one that we're going to be at is called Novo Lazarevskaya and it's closer to the coast directly below South Africa and right now the temperature is probably no different than it is in either Chicago or New York. The high is 37 with a real feel of about 28 degrees and the low is about 21 at Novo Lazarevskaya. So okay. really um, it's kind of like my run in Sunday in Manhattan and it was 38 degrees with the wind that made it feel like 22. So I might actually be colder on Sunday than I will be in Antarctica. Who knows? Good to know. Uh, I think when you're planning to run in the cold, though, I think layering is really important. Um, just having you know, the option to take off, like there's going to be gloves are going to be important, obviously. Um, the one of the biggest things that's different, you know, temperature-wise, yes, it's going to be similar to what it is now. But we have to think about the sun and the reflection on the snow. So um, just making sure that you're prepared with proper, um, you know, items. I have to buy special sunglasses that are going to help with that. Um, and they even say wear lots of sunscreen, even on your face. Many of this is going to be exposed because you can have a really bad sunburn being out there. Um, so, there are, you know, there's certain things you kind of prepare for those types of conditions that you don't necessarily need to worry about here. Um, Carrie, I'll ask you this question. <laughs> Leading up to this uh I'll say a bundle or seven marathons. Has your training regimen changed dramatically from running one marathon or is it more you're just resting more, recovering more? Is it, if you're running a marathon, you know you can run that distance and now you're comfortable and you just have to figure out how to recover between the marathons or has the whole road work mileage changed completely? Um, it's changed not, I mean, it hasn't been too dramatic or too drastic. Um, I think the biggest change is, I mean, when you're running a marathon, sometimes, you know, you, sometimes people are going for a specific time or target or you're trying to qualify, let's say, for Boston on that Where if we're running for something like this, this is an endurance event. I'm not looking at the races as seven individual marathons. I'm looking at them as one large race of 183 miles. So I'm treating it like a really big ultra marathon. So I'm not, even in my training, I'm not doing a lot of speed work. I'm, I mean, I had some tempo work in the beginning. But for me, it's, I kind of, I want to be like a metrodome. Like, I want to just kind of go, keep it consistent, keep the heart rate low. Um, I don't want to blow myself up at any of the races because I want to be able to recover faster. Um, so one of the biggest things is I've been trying to run at different times a day in order to prepare myself for the time changes and having many more back-to-back -back long runs. So, you know, Brian is usually running at 20 on Saturday and 20 on Sunday. Things similar to that to kind of help prepare you. So while, you know, you don't have a lot of time to recover, there's that quick turnaround time. How's your body going to respond? Um, I did an overnight ultra race to kind of prepare myself. Um, so things like that. Um, the training itself has been a little bit longer than your typical marathon training. I think a lot of marathon training places are about 16 weeks, 16 depending on the athlete. But this has been a little bit longer than that. 
Well, Chris said, because I'm going to give him credit for it, he goes, it's a marathon, not a sprint, but it's seven marathons in a row. So it's you guys are pacing yourselves like a marathon within a marathon instead of it being just one, which is, which is interesting. Once Chris said that, I start to think about that. You guys need to finish seven, not necessarily set your best times at every single seven races. Right. Um, Brian, I'll ask you this. Uh, any challenges um, that you're really either concerned about or trying to over-prepare for when it comes to how you're going to recover between the, the, the races themselves? Because you're not just running seven marathons in one location and going to sleep. You, flying is going to stiffen your legs. It's going to make food and diet um, much more difficult. And, and Carrie, I'd like to hear your take on it too after uh, after Brian. What are you planning for when it comes to actually having to get from location to location? And of course, jet lag as well. You know, so to answer the jet lag portion of it, um, and I will by no means say I have that down, knock on wood, but um, on a normal, tip, on a typical year, I'll fly about 110,000 miles. Wow. And like um, about a month ago, I had to be in Italy for four days for work. I slept about two and a half hours on the plane, and that was just one flight because I'll typically do that flying to Europe. But I landed, still had a training run to get in, so I ran 14 miles with two hours of sleep, and then I went home back to the hotel and took a nap and I felt great. Um, so that part, hopefully that can help me a lot in recovery, but knowing that we're also going to be on the plane so much, I think I'll get used to sleeping. If not, I've had, uh, <laughs> the doctor give me something just in case. But, um, but when it comes to that, the biggest thing I think I'm worried about is getting calories back in because it comes a point where you're just going to be fueling off of yourself because you're, your muscles aren't going to be able to take in the energy. So even during the races, I'm going to be ingesting things like gels and goos, not to help me through that race, but to keep glycogen and, and carbs going into my muscles for the next day and then in, in taking in as many calories. And then the hydration factor. I mean, you can only have so much water before it, be, or it starts becoming bad, but we're also going to be on a plane where humidity is typically 50% less than your ambient humidity. So it's going to be playing with things like that. And then Carrie and I both, and we're sitting next to each other on the plane, we each have rapid recovery boots, which we'll be bringing with us because each okay. seat has an outlet. So those are big like compression cuffs for your entire legs. They work like a champ. I'm bringing the Theragun there with me. Um, which By the way, I you should be a Theragun uh, spokesmodel because I see them all over social media now. And <laughs> They don't, nobody doing it looks like they've ran seven marathons in seven days on seven continents. That's, that's funny. I, I, I should because, you know, a week after I bought this one, they came out with the new quiet model. And I'm like, <laughs> of course I bought this full price and they came out. But, You'll you know, keep the whole plane awake while using it. It does look like a power drill. It sounds it, like it, a power drill. It sounds like a power drill. Um, I'll probably use it on my head after a couple of days. Um, <laughs> just take away the conscious level and just run or something. I, who knows? But I think that's the biggest challenge is caloric intake and hydration because, you know, if I can get energy going on, that makes you less cranky. It keeps you mentally better because this is going to be physical. But, you know, once we start feeling sore and tired and hungry, this is everything about our brain and what we can do to continue on and take put one foot in front of the other without freaking out or getting depressed, getting sad, getting 
mo- I mean, all those things you go through in a marathon anyway, this is just going to be <laughs> exponentially um, interesting. I can't even imagine. Kerry, how about you? Anything that, uh, in addition to what uh, Brian just said, that is concerning you about all the travel and then the recovery? Um, no, I, I think my biggest concern is the food and the intake, um, making sure that I have enough calories and that I'm feeling properly. I'm worried about what we're eating. We had a sample menu sent to us for what they ate last year on the plane. I mean, it's, it seems like it's some of the food I'd like, but it's not food I would typically eat before a race, per se, but it's still everything food at the end of the day. So I think my plan is to kind of, you have eight hours to finish each race. So my target is about five hours for each race. Gives me about three hours to shower, change, get something to eat, and get back on the plane. So I'm hoping to find food um, that because I mean, there's only we only can bring so much. And while I need to bring juice and bars and blocks, um, we kind of have to figure something else out while we're while we're away. So there's only limited stuff that we can bring. So I think figuring that out makes me a little concerned. Um, yeah. But Brian was cute the other day. He said to Curtis, he's like, we're going to be on the plane for like 70 hours or whatever. He's like, we'll play these board games. And I'm like, I hope this <laughs> I don't know about board games. <laughs> it's, uh, so you guys are, I'm guessing, chartering. It's, it's a plane being chartered, right? You're not jumping on United yeah. Airlines flight, whatever, and then going to another place. No. So you have to pack relatively light because I'm guessing it's not a, it's not a full-size jet or is it? It, it is. It's okay. a, it's a, it's an executive class laid out 757 that has not lay flat seats but really nice leather cushy chairs and things like that and it holds a lot of people so it's a full size 757 so we can but there's certain luggage limits like to Antarctica but then right. besides that we're gonna start getting information as far as how much we can pack but I mean but I also don't lug things around. Most of the items, too, you want to put overhead, so you want it easily accessible. You, right. you have to think about, that's still your typical size for an airplane. So, I mean, my root my root is still fit up there comfortably, but then my goal is to have everything packed in a duffel bag, which is very challenging for me, because if you ask my husband, when we go on vacation, it's like, if we go anywhere we can drive, the whole car is packed. I have, like, multiple bags. Like, I just have my whole, you know, closet with me. So this is going to be challenging, kind of figuring out, putting everything in one duffel. Well, it's like a science project, both diet-based and then what you guys are going to be bringing. Um, yeah. John was asking me because he can't really ask on these FaceTimes. You guys, either one of you want to take uh, a shot at the list of locations in the order in which you're going? I'm sure some one of you may have memorized it. I think we both probably have. Brian, you share. Go ahead. So we start off, um, well, we, meet, we all meet in Cape Town. I'll uh, be there for a few days. We have a meeting beforehand. And then I think sometime, we don't have the official schedule yet, but sometime around midnight, like at the end of the 5th or technically the 6th, we fly to Antarctica and we land in Antarctica, get off the plane and run the marathon there, shower, get back on the plane, fly back to Cape Town where we run marathon number two, grab our luggage from our hotels, run our race, get on the plane, then we have the longest flight of the trip, which is to Perth, Australia. And we have two stopovers. One is in Jakarta, one is in Mauritius. Um, and I think that's just because they don't have, you know, a, a traditional long-haul flight has a, a large handful of pilots that are on, or just a handful of pilots. Whereas this, I don't think they have as many, so there's a couple stopovers that we need to do um, by law. 
So, but that's still with the two stopovers, that's 17 and a half hours. Um, so it'll be, it's 15 hour flight direct to Perth. From Perth, we get back on the plane and we fly to Dubai. That's the second longest flight. And then we run the marathon there. That is the only place where we'll actually have a night to spend in a hotel. So we'll run the race. And uh, the recommendation was, if you could be a little bit quicker at this one, it'll give you more time to spend on a real bed, <laughs> which will be very exciting at that point in time, I would imagine. Um, and then the next morning, we fly to Madrid. And this is when we start flying back negative uh, time. So um, we get to Madrid, I think sometime in the afternoon. And then we take a bus out to Jarama, which is the old Formula One Grand Prix racetrack. I'm a race car driver, so I was I saw that. I'm excited for you guys for that one. Yeah. Um, it's not a hilly one, surprisingly. Yeah, it's a hilly track. It, it does have some hill, but, but <laughs> one thing I will say, which I am very happy about, I ran a half marathon in Madrid in May because I was helping somebody run a full marathon, and that thing was uphill both ways in the city center. So I'm more than happy to be on a slightly hilly Formula One track going in circles because Madrid is uphill both ways. It just, that's it. Um, <laughs> and then from Madrid, we fly to Fortaleza, Brazil. It originally was in Santiago, but because of some of the political unrest that was going over there, they had the IAAF um, people lay out a course for us in Fortaleza. So we're going to be in Fortaleza, Brazil. And then from there, we go to Miami. So and that's the last race running along the path in South Beach. And it sounds a lot really like, oh, that's really quick. We're just going here, 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 and here. But that's in 163 hours. Well, it's a, I mean, it's a crazy route you guys are taking. Um, and you're going in all different directions. But obviously, the race coordinators have done a nice job of making sure that the time zones start to make sense with the flight pattern so that you can maximize the seven days utilizing smart gains and losses of time, correct? That's the idea behind that. And uh, Carrie, I'll, I'll, I'll ask you, and we spoke off air about this, but I'm sure some people watching and I'm sure your family and friends are wondering, you know, there's two places on that list for me that when I saw them, I said, well, there's a lot going on right now in the world. Obviously, there's fires in Australia. And then given everything that's going on on the political front in Dubai, uh, any concerns or any issues from the race coordination standpoint going to Australia and then potentially to Dubai as well? Um. As of right now, I think that they're managing, they're keeping an eye on things and making sure that we're safe and um, we'll have to make you know, adaptations if needed, um, you know, appropriately. I mean, for me personally, um, you know, Brian is worried about flying over Iran and Dubai airspace. My immediate thought was to Australia and the fires, I have asthma, breathing, are we going to be close to things, are they going to impact us? You know? But um, I think we'll be kept far enough away that it won't really impact us. And I think that um, as far as flying over into some scary airspace, air there's a lot to you know, negotiate or travel, or travel around that. Um, so I'm not too worried. And I think that they have our safety and um, best interest, you know, um, top yeah. priority. I'm glad to hear that, and it's good. I'm glad to hear you guys are chartering a plane so that you have the ability to kind of ebb and flow as, you know, obviously weather and politics ends up uh, trying to have an effect on your race. Um, we have some uh, people who have been commenting for a little while. Uh, you have Kelsey who said these two uh, gems are champs. Uh, yes, team determination. That's uh, Kelsey uh, Christopherson. Yeah. 
Uh, we got Nikki Yarnell who says, I would want to go to an- the Antarctica Marathon, basically the only one I would want to do. Um, and then Kelsey um, talked about bringing your own fuel to races. The food and recovery is on the charter plane with all the runners. And then um, she also said that medical reps will be there as well. The courses are mapped out as loops, not a typical marathon course with stations, their laps, any additional needs will be purchased on touchdown. So do you guys have a big crew going on that 757 with you? That's a support crew, both medical and maybe uh, first thing that popped into mind, some massage therapists would be nice all over the plane or is that not the hysterical? <laughs> so do you guys have a medical staff that follows and the support staff? Yeah, there, there is, uh, there will be a doctor on board at all times. Um, I don't know that there's an entire staff, but I do know that there will be a doctor on board at all times. And I've spoken with some people that have done the race previously. And the biggest thing that people got utilized the doctor for, was after a few days, more and more people were using the um, using saline bags and IVs okay. just to make sure that they stayed hydrated, and that was the biggest thing. And uh, and some people were uh, utilizing them for like stomach issues and things, which is another common thing that a lot of endurance athletes go through anyway. Whether you're a cyclist or you're a runner, ultra runner, is because we're ingesting so much straight sucrose and glucose and not real food when you're doing races. So a lot of people have, so they've been utilizing them for that. So there's that. And then there's the rest of the support crew that build, uh, put together the, the race at each location and stuff. So I think it's about 10 people if I remember correctly. Okay. And how many runners? Well, there'll be about 40 of us this year. 40 yeah. of you guys. And, and have you, uh, Carrie, have you guys gotten close with the other runners? I know obviously the two of you, live relatively close, probably know each other well now. Uh, are you com- in communication with any of the other runners? I actually am not familiar with anybody else um, who is running. It's just Brian and I um, together. So I'm excited to see some people. I know they're, you know, I mean, people are going to be coming from all over the world. So we, I know that we do have some friends from the United States going to be there. Um, so it'll be interesting to kind of see who's who's there. They're supposed to have a list of all the athletes um, on the website soon with our picture and bios. So, um, you know, I'm looking forward to kind of seeing that, who's going to be there. That'll be awesome. John uh, wanted me to ask, uh, do you guys have a pledge it link for the for the donations? Yes. And, and where um, would someone America- go for that? Okay. Um, the American Society did do the pledge it link. I'm going to pull it up so I can say it quickly. It just went live yesterday. It was really exciting. There were a couple people signed up for that. Um, so get there with me. If you guys after this can put it in the comments section of the video, that would be awesome. Uh, John, yes. John pointing at me that I think he, I believe he did or he will. Uh, we will share it as much as we can. We'll give you guys obviously a donation from Wheelhouse. It's uh you guys are not only doing something pretty incredible, you're doing it for an incredible cause. Um, and, and I want to just touch on that. Um, Brian, I got, you know, I got kind of your involvement with the American Cancer Society. Carrie, when did you get involved with the American Cancer Society? Um, I got involved um, about a year ago. Um, you know, when I had originally thought about doing this race, I didn't want to just do it for you know, to myself, I wanted to do it for something bigger and greater than myself. And um, 
having lost my dad and my stepmom and a close friend of mine, cancer, um, the American Cancer Society was kind of the, the first one I thought of um, when I when I thought about the event. You know, so it was reaching out to them and saying, "Hey, I have this idea. I want to do this, and I want to I, I want to do a partner with you, and I want to be able to raise money for the American Cancer Society. Will you work with me?" And they're like, "Funny, because I think we have someone else who might be interested." So it kind of we, you know, Brian and I got to meet and link up, and it's you know it's been amazing. And the, the journey over the last year, getting to work closely with everyone and meet everyone from APS has been really remarkable. And and we're gonna try to share that as much as we can. What if what's the two of you, I'm sure, when you reach out to friends and family, you say, hey, I'm doing this thing. It's not just a marathon. We see a lot of, and I'm not just saying just a marathon because it's a big feat. We see a lot of people raising money for marathons. When you reach out to people and you tell them, I'm doing seven marathons in seven days on seven continents, what's the reaction? I'm sure people have been donating and uh, trying to help the cause out. What's the initial reaction to that? Is that healthy? Yeah. <laughs> 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 and then they find out. The, the cause and, you know, um, new people find out what the cause is and they they get um, much more excited at first instead of the initial shock of, like, why. Right. Uh, but I think once, when people see how much things have affected your life, um, it resonates with people deeper because every single person almost you talk to will be like, oh, my aunt had cancer or my friend had cancer or... I have two friends that are battling it right now. Ironically, they found it at the same time. Or all those things that are constantly happening, it resonates with so many people. And when you're doing it just because of just doing a race, that's fine because it's noble too. If you're running for a cause just because you want to run a race, awesome. And when you're doing something on top of it that has impacted you and you're doing it for to, to spread the word even more so, I think it resonates with people more and they feel that sincerity and it just changes the whole dynamic of a conversation and people's willingness to, to either help or spread the word for you or, or anything like that. And um, so, and if I could add too, so we have a pledge it site, which is great. And that's for people that can start their own. Um, oh, I have that too. Uh, Pledgeit.org so, slash Yes, runs the world. Yes. Well, that's like the comment session. Sorry, go ahead, Brian. Yeah, no, please. So we have that. So you can sign up and you can pledge to run as many miles as you want with a certain amount of money. But then we also have the direct link with uh, American Cancer Society if you want to just give and you you don't feel like you want to run any miles. So we can put uh, both of those into the comment section. So explain that to me. What happens with the running? How does the running work? So if you want to run so, a certain number of miles? Yeah. So if you do pledge it. Um, you can set up your own link and say, okay, I'm going to pledge to run 15 miles and I'll donate this much. And you can share that too. So it's kind of like when people do, there's like the virtual races and things sure. like that, or I'm going to sponsor you to run five cents per mile or $10 per mile or whatever, but you can pledge to run miles yourself if you want and donate money. So people can kind of run along with us. And then we also have the link that is direct to American Cancer Society for the donation. If you go like, dude, I just want to give and uh, have an amazing time. Um, that. So we have, we have multiple. I think the pledget idea is really cool. Very because cool. Not only are you um, promoting the spreading the word with American Cancer Society, it also gets people Active. up and moving themselves. If they're not already active, if they already are, they go, 
cool. Um, I used to say, come on, guys, because I'm in the wine business. I'm like, don't have that one glass of wine afterward or act like you're going to have that second glass and just donate that same amount of money, and it makes it easy. So you get to do the same thing, but just... So here, donate one glass of wine and donate like five miles, and it's like carbon offset. Good to go. How much wine are you going to be <laughs> drinking in those seven days? Um, maybe on the last day, yes, when we're done, but... Um, I want to like champagne like flowing and spring champagne everywhere yeah it's going to be the nascar champagne method afterwards Just yeah in, Ma- in miami yeah right yeah. at the end yeah uh, you guys i mean i think brian you were touching on the mental aspect of how uh, mentally challenging it is and how it's uh, so much mind over matter at some point even even more mental than physical I by no means have ran a, one marathon, let alone a bunch. I did a triathlon, the Alcatraz one, for charity. And I remember as things got tough, that thought process of not just everybody who had donated, but everybody who you were running for was a lot for me, just both in training and running. Kind of what pushed me through, uh, ask you both the question, have you felt while you're training the, the feel of you know everybody who you're A, touching, and B, who you've lost to cancer, who's battled and beat cancer, that you've personally known is that mental motivation to keep going in training. And I'm guessing it will be there when you actually run the race itself. Please. Um, it certainly helps me. I mean, I think you, when you, when you, during those, I mean, you have challenging moments and you have time that, you know, with, with, when you're racing or you're training and you're tired, you're fatigued, and you're just drained, and you're like, why am I doing this? And I think it's important for you to realize there's a bigger picture. It's not about me. It's not everybody else. It's about helping to make, you know, people's lives better and help to make the world a better place and to help in the fight to beat cancer and, um, you know, just joining in where he has more birthdays. Like, I think it's just think about that. I always wear a bib with my dad and my stepmom and my friend's name on it. Um, and then even recently, one of the things I was talking to my folks about, you know, I think for the miles, I help my donors, I want to dedicate a mile. So as I'm running, I want to think about the people that donated, who believe in me, who are there to support me. And I want to think about them and I want I want to carry them with me and encourage, you know, that their encouragement um, as I go along. So um, that certainly plays a big part in that. John is asking me, Carrie, again, for you to read, because some people are going to be listening to this audio and not just looking yeah. at the video. Can you read out that link for us again? Um, so the pledge link, link is ACS runs the world. And I just put it in the comments a moment ago, so you can um, find it in the comments or maybe look back on the comments as well. Fantastic. And Carrie, outside of, and, and Brian, I know you are a master sommelier, so you're in the wine business. Carrie, what do you do outside of uh, running, I presume, every single day? What's uh, the day-to-day uh, gig outside of running? I actually own a yoga studio. Um, it's called Empower Yoga. We are located over by the College of New Jersey. And um, prior to that, I was a school administrator and a special education teacher Spent about 15 years in the education field, and um, I talk about like yoga had saved my life. Um, about a decade ago, I they found cancer cells on my cervix that were removed, and I became you know I had surgery. It wasn't more serious with surgery. I was able to get rid of it, um, but as a result of that, I wasn't able to have kids. 
And I was um, very sad and depressed and unhappy. And, you know, at one point, um, a friend of mine was like, come on, you've got to go to yoga. And yoga really helped transform and change my life. Um, so it became a huge part of my life within the last decade. And yoga had given me so much. And I just, you know, with running, um, I thought about ways, thought about things that my body could do versus what it couldn't do. And, um, you know, yoga helped teach me, you know, about loving myself more and that I'm stronger than I think. So as a result of that, I got my training to become a yoga teacher and decided that I wanted to open a yoga studio. So I moved to Jersey to help take care of my dad and stepmom who, who had terminal cancer. Um, one of the things I did too was, was open up this space and create a space for people to go and to help others. So that's what I do. Um, I love it. It's been three years. It's been incredible. We have an amazing community. I have amazing people that work for me. And I need more blessed because especially when I'm going on this long journey, I feel comfortable that everything is well taken care of at Empower Yoga. So um, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> Well, congratulations and uh, kudos to you because being an entrepreneur and then having to take all that time to run a successful business and also dedicate as much time as you guys are dedicating to train for something like this really is incredible. It's, it's not easy to do if you were retired and had all the time in the world, but both of you work very busy schedules and then train on the side to do this. That, that's incredible. Yeah. Carrie, have you thought that the yoga has been really a good... Uh, injury saving exercise for you? Cause I know for a lot of people who run long distances or even do uh, triathlons and are doing three sports. And I know both of you have done triathlons. Um, injury prevention is such a big key to it. Do you incorporate yoga into this training for the marathon? I mean, yoga has so many benefits aside from, you know, you have the physical benefits, you also have the mental benefits. Um, it works a lot with health and recovery. I mean, we work with uh, stability, mobility, flexibility, strength, and the breath is really important. You yeah. mean about running and breathing. Um, so that breath work really comes into play. A lot of people, I do a lot of things. And I, um, prior to, you know, I started my kind of fitness journey. I was a CrossFit coach. I started yoga, running. Um, I didn't know how to swim until a few years ago when I started triathlon. It was a way of forcing myself. So yoga has been the one consistent for the last decade. Um, and people are saying, how do you do all these things, these crazy things? And for me, it's yoga. It just has been there um, and something that I think has really truly helped and allowed me to do some of the cool things, cool stuff. I got uh, Brian's Brian's chomping at the bits here. I think he, he had the same experience. No, 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 Chris. Sorry. sorry. Oh, sorry. No, uh, my question to Carrie is, are you going to be leading a yoga class on, on the flight in between the marathons? Great question. I plan on doing yoga. Um, I certainly plan on doing legs up the wall um, to just try to get the blood circulating in a different direction. I, one of the things I worry about is, um, I get very, you know, puffy on planes or retaining water. And one thing that can help with that is legs up the wall and the, you know, the blood flow. So I'm not opposed to doing a couple of yoga stretches with people or uh, you know, having people join me. We can figure out a way to get our legs up and overhead. Uh, I definitely will plan on incorporating that into our travels and week. Brian, are you, are you a yoga guy? Um, I, I do enjoy doing yoga here and there. Um, I have not ever really become like deep into it. I enjoy it when I do it. I actually know that her studio is phenomenal. I was just there... Is that about a month ago? I don't know. The past handful of months have all merged together and had an amazing night there. And her, the teachers that she has are incredible. But 
Um, my 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 meditation is more like when I'm running and um, I'll do stretching here on my own on on a mat, but it's more just uh, traditional stretching. And then uh, for me to find my breath and relax, I utilize swimming because it's just that that feeling of floating is uh, just so wonderful. And like Carrie, you know, a year and a half ago, I couldn't do the crawl. I could not do freestyle swimming. I did my first half Ironman with a backstroke and then... Whoa, uh, that's crazy. And then six months later, I learned how to get better. And then Carrie and I, if ironically, we were signed up for the same half Ironman. I was able to, I swam that one. I was like, yay, I know how to swim. But that really, the water is- He beat me on the swim, but I caught up to him on that. <laughs> he, he crushed me on the bike. Um, the, uh, the, um, but for me, the water and floating and just disappearing in there has just become just so quiet because you're just in yourself and it's it's great and i give you kudos also uh for doing the out escape from alcatraz i did that in june and that was a uh just jump the mental aspect of just jumping into the san francisco bay i did it yeah. when you did it i did it in june too oh yeah that was that was an insanely strong current so uh i was terrified <laughs> i'm not a good swimmer and i'm not a triathlete i trained in the lifetime fitness pool here in chicago <laughs> and i got into the bay the day before and i don't know if it was good or bad that i did that because it built a little confidence in me but i also realized i'm not that great of an open water swimmer because i just was bad at sighting so I swam a really chilly route, and that day was brutally hot, and I had a 12-year-old mountain bike, and I was, a, I was a mess. I was a very, I finished, but I was a very slow finisher. Actually, I would have preferred to have a bike on those hills because they picked 18 miles of the, anyway. Yeah, um. <laughs> yeah it, was, uh, it was tough. Uh, this is on one of my bucket lists, so one day, gentlemen, I'll be there. I'll cheer you on. I think I retired myself from doing the Alcatraz Triathlon. That was a one and done. I, I'm hanging the gloves up for that one. I'll never say never. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Chris here has been trying to get me since the last couple of months to consider doing the Chicago Marathon. I just had shoulder surgery, so I can't really start running for about two more months now. But you said 16 weeks is the kind of well, training window? For the marathon, yeah. yeah. So marathon. Chicago Marathon well, training always starts early June, pretty much the weekend after Memorial Day weekend. So weekend after Memorial Day weekend, people start to. Plenty of time. Yeah. No right. excuses. Yeah. I got four, and I got four peer pressure yeah, folks. I was going to say yeah, this today. is the wrong group to not to talk you out of it. Well, actually, I'll, John, do you want me to keep them on and then now now bring on in studio guests as well? So I'm going to leave you guys on. Feel free to chime in and ask any questions of the in-studio guests. They okay, might cool. be asking you guys questions. But I wanted to bring uh, Chris and Cairo back in because the two of you have been watching them fundraise, train, become connected to them in, in a more intimate way. Um, tell me about how, first, the two of them are impacting the American Cancer Society and um, just kind of the motivation that you've taken from watching the two of them. I'm, I'm motivated. I, I've been talking to you guys for an hour now, and, and I'm crazy motivated by just having the opportunity to ask you guys questions. How, and I'll start with you, uh, Kyra. How have you been motivated by uh, getting to know these two and being a part of this? Yeah, well, I've known Brian for about two, three years now, ever since I first started ACS. And um, I mean, he's been a super motivated since the moment I met him. Um, 
Oh. It started, honestly, when he was like, I'm going to run all six world major marathons in one year. And that in itself is a feat. So that was, I, I already knew this guy was crazy in a good way. Um, and then bringing Carrie into the mix, it, it kind of just felt completely like puzzle pieces were coming together. Um, we all gathered together uh, for Chicago Marathon. And uh, by the end of that weekend, I, I, I might cry right now. <laughs> I was like in tears because I didn't want them to leave. You know, it'd been so many phone calls and emails and getting to know one another um, because we're all part of this journey together. Uh, and they're as people at, are just so inspirational, so motivational um, and, you know, really touching so many lives in different ways, whether that's inspiring someone who is like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to sign up for my first 5K. I'm just going to do a 5K because if these two could run seven marathons in seven days on seven continents, I can get out and do a 5K. Sure, of course. Or if someone is like, you know, wow, they're doing this amazing feat in honor of American Cancer Society for their dad, for their mom, you know, it really makes me want to do something more. Um, and so let me, let me go support the American Cancer Society. Let me support them in, by donating or let me sign up for my first marathon with ACS or something like that. Um, so it's just been a great experience. It's been uh, a journey that I didn't know what to expect and I have loved every second of it. That's great to hear. Yeah. And Chris, uh, you were very motivational yourself when you were in a few months ago, and um, I'm glad you came back on. And uh, John and I hold um, the American Cancer Society in very high regard, and we've both had people who've uh, obviously had cancer, both survived and lost uh, the battle of cancer. And you do so much for the society, and you've been a part of so so many of the endurance races. Uh, how is this one a little bit different, seeing that it's on an incredible scale? Yeah. So it's very different from the races that we have formal partnerships with. So the American Cancer Society Determination Team is an opportunity for people who want to run any race, be it a 5K or an ultra marathon or the World Marathon Challenge, you can do so by supporting the American Cancer Society. But this idea really started, I know Brian and Carrie both had different paths in terms of connecting with ACS with their idea of wanting to do this. And it took a lot of moving paces, uh, pieces, it took a lot of patience as we were trying to connect with Richard Donovan, the, uh, the race director for the World Marathon Challenge, who when we first originally reached out, it seems like everybody was having uh, soldier, uh, shoulder surgery at the time, but I think Richard Donovan had recently had surgery, and so he wasn't you know, looking at the emails at the time, but we had to really build it from scratch and to figure out a way where you know Brian and Carrie were both super passionate about each committing to raising $150,000 wow. each for the American Cancer Society to do this opportunity. And this is not, you know, it's not easy to run a marathon, certainly not easy to run seven marathons in seven days, but the dedication, the passion, and the strategic thinking that it takes to raise $150,000 each is truly incredible. And I know that both Brian and Carrie are relying heavily on their own personal connections. Kyra, do you want to kind of talk about some of the different events that they've been hosting in all the different ways? Because it's incredibly creative of how they're utilizing their own strengths to try to be as efficient as possible and have the biggest impact as possible with their yeah, fundraising. Please tell us. Yeah, so uh, Brian, as a wine master sommelier, um, if, when we were first talking, he was like, I'm essentially going to sell myself. And I was like, oh, okay, what does that mean? He's like, you know, I'm going to do wine classes and cooking classes. And so he's done a couple of those in the past couple months um, to raise funds. Um, Carrie took 
undertook a really big uh, event, like literally like a four days after taking on the Chicago Marathon this year. She um, hosted her first golf tournament. Um, I've not even worked a golf tournament, so that is amazing. She um, was able to do that. Um, and she's got a 5K plan coming up as well. Um, they've you know, combined forces to do some dinners, and uh, they're continually looking to... Uh, spread out their networks so that people can donate to them and you know open opportunities I know that Brian's got something in the works with uh, a choral group I might need to get a little bit more uh, distinction on that Brian if you're able to jump in but I know there yeah he wants to do something like that it's uh it's with um you know the most famous opera singers in the world and I'm not like I don't go to the opera all the time but a handful of friends that are amazing opera singers um one in which I met they started an opera company called Bear Opera because unless you were Pavarotti and even them, they didn't have a job all the time in an opera. Most people are working just like actors at a certain time of the year. So they started an opera group in New York where they would show up at like a workspace for an hour and do like the most incredible songs that people go, oh, my God, I love that. Drink a couple glasses of wine and leave. So she's like, we'd love to hold a gala for you because I had donated myself to one of their galas. So we'll hold a gala. And I'm like. Awesome. Very cool. Um, any any different kind of thing that people want to do, I think, is important. So anyway, Tyra, yeah, thank you. I, listen, we're going to – John and I are going to try to share uh, the pages and the links as much as we can. This is an incredible cause, and uh, we'll do whatever we can. And anybody listening, um, if, if you're listening to this and you're just tuning in, go back a little bit and you'll get the uh, – uh, the link itself, John and I, if you are watching this, John's actually been putting the link in the actual video feed itself. So you'll see it underneath our uh, underneath the video itself. And it's also in the comment section. So please click and donate. Um, any little bit's going to help. It's unbelievable uh, what they're attempting to put their bodies through. So uh, support them, support the American Cancer Society, and please, please donate. Yeah, and, and then uh, just to kind of go back, you know, this is obviously a very unique experience with the World Marathon Challenge, and it's our first time working with them. We've been learning a lot on all the different logistics, the ins and outs of trying to figure out how, are, you know, when are we going to see them cross the finish line right. in Miami and learning recently that we're not really going to know until they actually start the marathon in Antarctica that will help dictate when we kind of have an idea of when they might be finishing. Um, but, you know, we do work with amazing races all over the world. And if you're interested, if you've been inspired and you want to run with the determination team, go to cancer.org slash determination. You can see a full listing of our events all over the world. We do have spot guaranteed entries for a lot of races that are lottery based or might sell out or have already sold out. We are one of the largest charity teams for the Chicago marathon. We're almost, we almost have 400 runners right wow, now for the bank of America, Chicago marathon. And we still have spots available. And we also work with races such as the London marathon, the Berlin marathon, the New York city marathon. It's going to be the 50th anniversary of the New York city marathon and their goal for that race between all the different charities this year is to raise more than $50 million. Typically, wow. the New York City Marathon raises right around 40-ish million dollars, but with it being the 50th wow. anniversary, they've okay. added some more charity entries and they put the expectation out to the charities to say we really want to, you know, drive up the impact and you know, raise more than $50 million for all these wonderful causes. So we do provide lots of different support. When you sign up, it's not like we just give you a website and walk away. 
Kyra gets a chance to work with all of these volunteers all over the world, helping them come up with different fundraising ideas, different ways for them to sell themselves, yep. I guess, in legal ways. So, <laughs> But we then also provide them with wonderful training support. We have amazing training partners here in the city of Chicago, also in New York, so that you're not going to be running alone. We help you through the basics of understanding what it's going to take to run a marathon, and then we make sure that we help put on a an incredible experience for you on race weekend to help celebrate everything that you've done, not only for yourself, accomplishing an amazing goal of running a marathon, but raising incredibly needed funds for the American Cancer Society. And one last plug, we've talked so much about the mission of the American Cancer Society, but if anybody is listening and is currently dealing either with cancer or has somebody in their life that has been touched by cancer, you might be wondering like, you know, what can I do when somebody tells me I have somebody that, you know, that's just been diagnosed I encourage you, don't ever forget that the American Cancer Society has services available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can always visit cancer.org and live chat with one of our specialists, or you can call 1-800-227-2345. Those services are available 24 hours a day, even on Christmas or Thanksgiving. You can always talk to somebody, whether it's questions about treatment, services that might be available, getting a ride to treatment, or learning how, about how to get more involved as a volunteer. Well, you guys do incredible stuff at ACS, and um, again, we had you on. It's, it was unbelievable the last time you were on. You are very motivational. Um, and A lot of that was Meg. Well, b- <laughs> yeah. both of you. Yeah. And your involvement in cancer support in general in the Chicagoland and, and, I mean, worldwide is unbelievable. If somebody wants to get involved with ACS outside of this, is there a way to be a volunteer? Is there a way to help out outside of donating time and money to the determination side of oh, this? Yeah. And, and if so, how? Absolutely. So if you want to get involved, it's still going through the same process. You can always live chat with um, somebody on www.cancer.org. They'll get your information, figure out where you live and, and how you're looking to get involved as a volunteer. You can also call the 1-800-227-2345 and speak with somebody that way. My email address is Christopher.bowles at cancer.org. So I, I know that uh, John has my contact information, but it's C-H-R-I-S-T-O-P-H-E-R dot b is in boy o w l e s at cancer.org send me an email and we'll find the right way uh, to get you involved with the society we have a gentleman recently who signed up and is running the chicago marathon for us and he wanted to get more involved uh, because he had uh, lost somebody in his family to cancer and he found out about our road to recovery program mm-hmm. and he became a road driver kind of becoming an uber driver for cancer patients and he's already given 30 people rides to treatment in just a couple of months. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. And it's it's not something that you think about is a big deal, but when somebody is trying to figure out how they're going to get to and from treatment if they don't have a ride, and if you think about all the traffic and they have to get to and from the hospital, no um, you know, it. it's something that is super easy for him. He said it's so convenient. He can just sign up and see where somebody needs a ride. Say, yeah, I'm free at that time. I'll pick them up and take them right to the hospital or pick them up from the hospital and take them home. Um, and it's a super easy way, very flexible, just one of many different ways you can get involved as a volunteer. But we typically like to get, our know, get to know our volunteers and figure out what their, um, you know, what their skill, set is, uh, skill set is, how they're looking to have an impact, what sort of connections do they have that they feel might be able to make the most meaningful impact, not always monetarily, um, but, you know, but for somebody like Brian who has a connection in the wine industry and we have all these fancy galas, you know, seeing if there's an opportunity to do more there. Um, it's a lot of people don't fully realize the impact that they can have uh, on cancer patients or the American Cancer Society and the work that we're doing. Well, you're an incredible guy and you're an incredibly humble guy because you also 
uh, are a marathon runner who's running three marathons this year. You've been very humble and not even mentioned it yet, but I'm going to go ahead and mention it. Which three are you doing this year? So I'm running the Tokyo Marathon, the Chicago Marathon, and New York City Marathon. And I've been fundraising for the American Cancer Society since 2012. And if I hit my goal of about raising roughly $10,000 this year, I will surpass $100,000 raised since I started in 2012. So congratulations. Yeah. So uh, it's a, hopefully a big year, cross off some, some of these different races and um, be able to have lots of fun and raise some meaningful funds for the American Cancer Society. I, I'd also like to add that uh, Chris is very humble in the sense that with the three marathons, he will finish up his six star this year. So he will have run all six world major marathons. Um, strategically doing so ending in Chicago, his hometown. So it, it's going to be, be a really big party. It's going to be a big party in Chicago. <laughs> so you, your next step is to do seven marathons yeah. on seven continents in seven days. No, it's I not. I think you guys are going to recruit him <laughs> soon, and he's going to be doing the same thing I, I, I want to go to Antarctica just to hang out in Antarctica. I don't want to go there for you know seven, <laughs> seven hours and be able to run. Like I'm, I want to be able to say, no, I want to I stay here for a while. <laughs> According to their tourism website, it's whale watching season, so there's oh. some yeah. stuff to see right now. That's all I gathered, that it's kind of summer there and it's whale watching season. So you got the, the crazy thing is, and I'm going to go back to uh, Carrie and Brian, you guys don't get a lot of time to actually sightsee anything in these really cool places you're going to. Because I looked at the list and I'm like, wow, that is like the, it's quite the bucket list of places to go to. But you're going to have to run, recover, get on a plane and fly away. Um, any plans of going back to any of those spots after you guys are done to hopefully actually vacation? I don't know. Um, <laughs> no. So hesitant. <laughs> I mean, and I don't know about. I mean, Antarctica. I'm not sure what I'd do. Um, we're going to be circling the same runway five times, so that's not going to be. We're going to see the mountains and then see the snow, then see the mountains, then the snow. Well, snow the entire time. But the other places, I don't. Uh, I have no clue. I've never been to Dubai. I've never been to Fortaleza, Brazil, and. Uh, I've never been to Perth, Australia, but who knows? Um, but we're not going to see much of it. Yeah, Carrie, how about you? Any of those locations were on your bucket list, and now you're going there and not really um, getting to do them? Um, I mean, I'm so, I, I wish we had a little bit more time to to spend there, but I'm hoping to explore some of you know the food in the area at a minimum. You know, which I'm excited about eating. But um, I hope to eventually go back to Australia. I think Australia is a place that I'd want to visit for a little bit longer. And my heart goes out to all the people and the animals and the lives lost over there. So I think if Australia starts to rebuild their economy, I think tourism is one way to help. And I think it'd be important to kind of go back and give back and help, you know, the people of Australia. So I envision maybe going back to there one day. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it's incredible. It's incredibly sad what's going on there. And uh, it's, it's crazy to watch on what a large scale the fires have kind of spread and how difficult it's been to get it under control. So A, a um, uh, my heart goes out to them and B, I'm very hopeful for you guys specifically that it doesn't end up becoming an impeding factor for, for the race because it's, I know winds shift quite a bit. So hopefully the race directors have it all sorted out for you guys and it doesn't affect you. Are you both going to run New York as well with, uh, with our good buddy, Chris? <laughs> Uh, I have run in New York twice. I okay. probably will not run it again, but I would be happy to run Chicago with him because yeah. I love Chicago and I would love an excuse just to go out and visit Kyra again and, and visit the rest of the ACS Chris and ACS crew over there. So it was so amazing last year. I, I hope to do it again. 
I got to give a shout out to one of our colleagues, Ramon, because Ramon taught me into doing oh. the New York City Marathon. <laughs> and the, it's, you've, I can't believe I've reached a place with Ramon where the path of least resistance is agreeing to do a marathon right. for him. <laughs> Ramon is doing a, a race this, this year. He's doing Unleashed California, which is a 300-mile trail race out in California. It's over about five or six days. I don't know. Holy uh, yes. So when he he's the one that taught me then doing the ultras last year. And so when he reached out and he said, what do you have on your race calendar? And I said, I'm doing Tokyo and Chicago. And he said, why don't you do this ultra with me? And I said, no. And he said, why don't you do this one with me? And I said, no. And he said, well, you got to come out for the New York City Marathon. It's the 50th anniversary. I said, done. I'll do that one. And I said, you can't ask me to do anything else then. And he's tried a couple of times, but I've said, nope. I, I said I would do the New York City Marathon. You got one out of me. <laughs> well, he was talking you down there. He yes. was, he was, he was negotiating. He was negotiating. A little haggling right there. Yeah. And once I saw the marathon, I was like, okay, I'll do that one. I'll do that one. That's, that's a crazy one, too, if he's doing it in even under a week, if he's doing 300 miles. That's, yeah. That's an unbelievable feat. He, he, he's, yeah. he's on a similar level with these folks, yeah. um, but he just he, – somebody that can just walk into the mountains and disappear and come back and say, oh, I only ran 230 miles. Right. That's unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. He's pretty remarkable. Yeah, he's a. Well, I'm going to bring it back to uh, kind of my original question to Carrie and Brian. Are, do you guys have anything after this that's on the. And I don't know enough about the endurance racing. I'm learning a lot from Chris, from knowing Chris the last couple of months. But I don't know what the levels are and what these. Um, I don't want to call them crazy. They're incredible. These incredible feats of um, athletics are. What's the next step? Do you guys have anything in mind after this? Is there like a plan to do? Is there something bigger? Well, I'm not sure it gets much bigger than this. Um, there are a couple things that I'm interested in. I'm trying not to think too far ahead because I really want to kind of enjoy this and enjoy the process and, and be living in the moment and not think about it being done already. Because when you put you put so much time, effort, energy, and training into one thing, I want to really live, you know, through that. But that being said, I always kind of have a plan. Um, I am running Ironman in August and um, Mont Blanc, and I think. I would, I think I would, you know, want to continue to dive into the ultra world and maybe do Ultraman, which is double Ironman, or um, they have the one race that it's five Ironman on five Hawaiian Islands in five days, maybe something like that. I mean, who knows, really? That, there you go. <laughs> That's the doing a little bit bigger that I didn't know existed. <laughs> Brian, how about you? Um, you know, as far as something bigger, I, I don't, to Carrie's point, I don't know if there is anything like, bigger or more intense, but I'm always trying to set a goal. And part of my training for this was also just as much mental training. And, you know, we all have things that go on in life and stuff. So, you know, in this training, it's physical, but with also mental and setting a goal. Um, and so the next goal, I think getting more into the ultra uh, world, so to speak, but I'd also like it to be more in trails, but of course, Knowing myself, I'm probably not going to do something that is going to be, um, well, none of it is simple, but I mean easier, but things that excite me. Like I lived in Hawaii for a handful of years, and there's arguably one of the hardest 100-mile wars that go on there. Um, just north of Makiki, you hit the 1,600-feet peaks like 20 times over the course of 25 miles, and it's called the Hurt 100, and you do that loop five times. Um, and it's 20 miles. So it's brutal, but it's also in one of the most beautiful places in the forest there and things like that. So doing a lot more 
trail races like that that happen to be in the mountains. Um, I live in New York now. I used to live in Sonoma County, so I miss that aspect. To be able to do something like that brings two of my, my biggest loves together and keeps big goals um, right in front of me and gives uh, not only a new challenge, but something different um, to strive for. Because it's always not upping. Um, this year, I've actually learned it's not about one-upsmanship for myself. It's more about why is the goal there and what am I doing this for? Because doing seven races in seven days is uh, literally going why am I doing this? Um, and is it for something? Is it somebody else? There's the meaning that we have behind it. But at the end of the day, it also has to be something that you're doing for yourself. And that's that. So finding something like that. I mean, if I could get in lottery wise into like the Western States 100, that would be amazing. Or be one of the hundreds of amazing people that fail finishing the Barclays Marathon in Tennessee because only three people have ever finished that. But I would like to just try it. You're you do this massive trail race with no GPS. You're allowed to bring a compass with you, but that is it. They give you the map, and literally three. They try to make this thing insanely yep. stupid, but only three people have ever finished it since its inception. So, but just the fun of doing it. It's not failure. It's well, our past guest Meg. Oh, yeah. that was yeah, that was her. That, that yeah. was what she just. Met, did yeah, pitch, she had right? just completed that about two weeks prior when she and I came on here. Yeah, yeah this is unbelievable. She had just uh, competed in that a few weeks prior to when yep. you guys came on. Well, you guys are incredible. I I, I just Thank imagined. You. I don't know if you've ever read the world's fittest book. It's a guy Ross Edgeley who swims around Great Britain. It's like the longest swim ever. Um, wow. and he's a British guy, and I just imagined you backstroking it, one-upping him, and saying, "You know what? I'm just going to backstroke him." <laughs> Have you guys ever read the book or heard of the guy? He's an incredible guy to um, to listen yeah. to, and his stories of when he was doing some of his swims, and he would have to swim through uh, basically pools of jellyfish, but because he had he was timed and he had to swim a certain distance every day, he would have to keep swimming. And I think he was on Joe Rogan's podcast where he said his goggles from getting stung had basically um, his face had swelled up to the point that he had to peel his goggles off and rip face skin off. And if you see the photos of him after he had done the swim, the guy just looks gnarly. And it, it's incredible what guys like him and you guys put yourselves through. And, and, and I mean, I'm sitting here with a torn shoulder crying about having to go to PT and you guys are doing some incredible stuff. So you've motivated me and I'm hoping everybody who's listening is incredibly motivated by, by the two of you. Awesome. Awesome. So I think backstroke in the UK would maybe be a good one for you. Or a fun <laughs> Put that one. on the to-do. Um, I always ask this of everybody who comes on the show, and I want to ask it of the two of you. Uh, you. You've given us a lot of motivation, and it doesn't have to be. We typically ask it in a business sense, in a fitness sense, and this is a perfect time for it. The beginning of the year, everybody's motivated, and I always hate when people poo-poo someone's motivation at the beginning of the year, and you see a lot of posts about oh, people are only motivated for a month and then they fall off and the gym is packed um, and, and people like trashing that. Um, I, I'm of the opposite mindset. If you're motivated about something good for you, keep the motivation. But the reality is a lot of people's motivation swings really high and then it drops off. Uh, both of you, please answer this question. Any advice to somebody who's starting to get into fitness who is you guys in 2012 or 14 when you you may not have... Um, been as accomplished as you are right now. Any any pieces of advice for them just getting started uh, on a path to fitness? Hmm. Um, 
One thing, um, in the past handful of months, it's interesting, I stopped listening to music while I run. I've been listening to a lot of audiobooks, but, and I'll get to one where it sums it up really quickly, but my advice would be, number one, if you're, if you're going to use a New Year's resolution or something to start becoming fit, start becoming healthy, I mean, great, that's, that's amazing. Doing it at any time is amazing, but set an achievable goal. I think so many people will say, I'm motivated, I'm going to start doing this January 1, and they set this massive goal that it's like, I'm going to spend an hour a day at the gym. An hour at the gym is actually like a long time. Going for a run for an hour if you're not doing it for an hour. So setting an achievable goal that is realistic, that makes it become a habit. And one of the books that I listened to recently was a, a gentleman named David Goggins. Uh, I don't know if you've read his book, You Can't Hurt Me. And, you know, here's a Navy SEAL that also went through a lot of stuff and then started, did his 100-mile race and then Leadville and, like, the most difficult races. But his biggest thing, and it kind of summed up in many ways what I just said, is becoming motivated is one thing, to, to do one thing, but don't let motivation be the anchor that allows you to do what you do every day because what happens when you wake up and you don't feel motivated to walk out and go for your run, walk out? You still have to do it. I still have to train for this thing. If not, I'm going to be severely injured and in pain. So it's how you make something a habit. And some days you're motivated, some days you're not. But it's how it becomes a habit. And I think it becomes a habit if you enjoy yourself by setting achievable goals and you recognize what you achieved each time you do it. I think that helps out a lot. So take small bites. You know, How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. They should change that to something else, like a really large pie or something but it goes back to that adage you know start that way because if you bite off more than you you can chew you're going to spend more time like oh my god that was a rough day so you don't go back for three days or four days do it so you enjoy it and you start feeling the benefits of what you do i love that thank you you're welcome carrie how about you i certainly agree with brian um because motivation will only get you so far a lot of it's about discipline and disciplining yourself um for me I thrive on structure and consistency. So being very like type A, like I, one of the things I, you know, why I love marathon training so much is like, I knew what I was going to do every day. And the personality I have is like, I didn't have a choice not to do it. If it's like written down in my plan, I was going to do it no matter what. Um, so I feel like sometimes like what Brian said, breaking things up into manageable, easy parts, um, being kind to yourself, you know, when you start something new, um, it's a challenge. It's hard. There are going to be times that you want to give up. I mean, a lot of people, but we're not good at something. Um, someone might be at my front door. You can go grab <laughs> it if you want. <laughs> Sorry. You have to bring them on the podcast, so. You automatically want to give up. I mean, I remember when I first started running, um, I was the last one in our running group. I was running a 14, like 15-minute mile, and I, I cried every time. And I wanted to give up. But, you know, I, I, I stuck with it, and it's like I made – commitment to do something and I was going to stick with it. So I think that you know, you're going to have lows, you're going to have times where it's hard, where you don't want to do it. But um, it's, you know, about pushing kind of through those and working on the mindset and being kind and, and, you know, it's more than you did the day before. So every day, if you just do a little bit more, a little bit more, um, you know, you can, your, your body um, is pretty amazing and you can do some pretty awesome things. You know, our mind definitely gives up way before our body ever will. So I think it's just, you know, working on that piece and believing in yourself and um, knowing that you truly can do anything that you set your mind to, that, um, you know, anything's within your reach, really, if, if you want, you know, if you, if you want it bad enough, you'll find a way. If you don't, you'll find an excuse. So I think it's about just, 
setting you know goals and just working every day to attack those goals and be the best you that you can be. You two are such a great example of all those pieces of advice, and, and I appreciate it. You have to grab the front door, grab it. Just bring whoever is on the front door on the podcast. It might have been Amazon. I imagine most of the time. Most of the time when my doorbell rings, it's Amazon letting me know there's a package. And I'm sure leading into this uh, incredible athletic feat, you guys are ordering a lot of goodies oh off of God, Amazon. Yeah. Every day my husband's like, what did you order now? Like, don't worry about it. Yeah. Um, and... For our in-studio guests, too, I, I want to ask both of you as well, and I want to be mindful of your time. I, I honestly, I, and I'm going to say this, and I'm sure John will agree, uh, when you guys are done with this, we'd love to have you back on again to just yeah, talk yeah. about how this experience was because I'm, I'm blown away by it. I'm fascinated by it, and um, I, I would love to have you guys back on to talk about it as well. And in-studio guests, I, I want to be mindful of your time, too, because we, I could go on for hours and hours with the four of you. Um, any piece of advice for somebody, it can be in the fitness uh, realm. It can be in the charitable realm. I, I know you wear a lot of hats, Chris. So uh, one piece of advice. Yeah. You know, I, I look at it from two different things from fitness perspective. A year ago, I, myself, I went on a big nutrition kick. And I think what was very helpful that wasn't already covered was finding your support group, yep. making sure you have a support group in place. And if that's just going to be from working out, find out people that you are going to be working out with regularly who can help hold you accountable and you can help hold them accountable. I also think it's important to echo what was mentioned about celebrating uh, the accomplishments. It's when you set a big goal, it's not always going to be success every yeah. single day. And I remember personally from my efforts, you know, to try to lose weight, I had some weeks where I would lose a lot and then I would level out and then I would lose a lot and I would level out or I might put on, a, you know, a, a pound or two. And I had to to recognize that that was all part of the process. Um, but you have to celebrate the successes along the way to know that you're still on your road um, to the success that you that you built out um, from a charity standpoint. I encourage everybody find a cause that you're passionate about. Um, I'm very passionate about the work that the American Cancer Society does. There's lots of other, wonder, other wonderful organizations out there. I've got two amazing dogs, Paws, mm -hmm. Right Way Rescue are both close to me. Um, my dad was diagnosed with Alzheimer's and passed away last year. The Alzheimer's Association is very close and meaningful to me. Uh, there are so many wonderful causes out there. Just find one that resonates with you and figure out how you can have the best possible impact. It's amazing when you can meet so many other people like Carrie, like Brian, who inspire me to try to figure out what I'm going to do next. Because this came about as, look, ACS, you, you were great. You helped me do all of these amazing races individually, but I want to do something more. And how can I do that? And so I encourage you just to find a cause that, that's worthwhile. Do your research on it to make sure you're familiar with how your impact is going to be felt within the organization. And make the most of your time and try to to, to have a positive impact, make the world a better place. I love that too. Kyra, you manage um, a lot of projects at the same time and you are tasked with the very difficult job of while a lot of people are training, yep. um, helping them stay motivated to fundraise as well on the charitable side of things. Give us some advice, kind of piggybacking off of what Brian said in the charity world. Yeah. So. Fundraising wise, I think that's what most people get scared of before they when they join our team or anything like that. Uh, the training doesn't really freak them out. The running doesn't really freak them out. It's really the fundraising. Um, and the first thing I always tell everyone is share your story. Everyone has been affected by cancer in some way, shape or form. And 
it's you telling people why this matters to you, why it makes a difference, why it, you're taking on a feat of running 26.2 uh, miles, or if you're running seven marathons in seven days and seven continents, you know, why, why is motivating you to do this? Um, and, you know, it, it really shows a lot of people that uh, we're all connected a lot more than we think we are. Um, and that you never really know the generosity of people until you start sharing that story. And you, I've heard so many stories of people say like, oh, you know, I was running, the, I'm saying I'm running this marathon. I shared that I'm running because my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer and someone that I hadn't spoken to for five years donated to me because they themselves had a mom who passed away from breast cancer or they have an aunt who was affected at that moment. So um, it's something that binds us all together. Um, and I think it's something that makes the world a better place, as Chris had mentioned. So first off the bat, just share your story, share why you're running, um, why it makes a difference to you. And, you know, you'll see that continue on and have that ripple effect. Um, and, you know, it, as Chris said, kind of like live in the moment with it. You're supporting this charity. You're supporting any charity at that moment um, because it makes a it makes it's some it's something meaningful to you and it's something that you want to make a difference in and so uh, enjoy everything enjoy your accomplishments enjoy the lows the highs um, a lot of people when they're done with their training and they get to marathon weekend they're like I can't believe I'm already here I'm 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 so excited I'm so nervous I'm all of those you know uh, jitters and everything um, and it goes by a lot quicker than people think and I think that's what happens when I know we were speaking briefly beforehand that a lot of people say, hey, I'm a one and done. I'm not going to do this anymore. I, this is it. And then like immediately after those endorphins are running, their tears are shed, but they're happy tears. And they're like, I'm ready for the next thing. Yep. Yep. <laughs> well, thank you again for everything you do. Yeah. And um, thank you for coming in. I, I always seem to forget this and I don't want to butcher it today. John, John's shaking at me. I hit, I hit, hit them all, John the questions. I always ask John if he's got any more questions before I close out. I got one last fun one, um, especially for Carrie and Brian. Uh, any fun cheat meals, which are going to be that, hey, I'm in Miami, I'm done. Obviously, there's going to be some wine and champagne involved, but what's the, uh, I've accomplished this incredible feat. I'm going to go have myself a great meal. Meal. Funny answer. That's a great question. I actually... Um I would probably sweet potato fries. This sounds so cute. Or anything Mexican too. Like I would love nachos or like anything. I mean, you're in Miami, so Mexican I guess would be a great choice. But I love sweet potato fries. I don't often eat a whole lot of anything fried. So something fried and delicious probably. <laughs> Brian, other than a, a wine dinner, what are you adding to the wine? Well, I'm not going to go to a wine dinner. I will be staying at a friend's house who's going to ply me with copious amounts of wine and they're all great cooks. But as far as going out somewhere, I mean, I do. I, I could eat French fries 24-7, um, so that will happen. But there's also a great Cuban restaurant called Versailles there. That um, It's spelled Versailles, but it's pronounced Versailles. And uh, I will go and eat there because, I mean, well, I, I get everything covered. I got potatoes. I got pork. I got corn. I got rice. I got everything I could possibly want. And... Uh, and a lot and seafood just a lot probably i can't, <laughs> I can't wait for you guys i can't wait for lot. you guys to be able to finish have the feeling of that accomplishment and be able to drink all that wine and food that you want chris kyra anything you guys what's the cheat meal my, uh my celebration meal it's not a cheat it's a celebration, celebration. meal um i would i was going back and forth i think i've settled on pequods 
I'm gonna be Pequod's. Oh. Pequod's around the corner from my office, so the next time you go, just Morton shoot Grove? me a message. No, Morton, I'm but, the one in Lincoln Park. Lincoln Park. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, I, I I started going to the one in high school in Morton Grove, and now that yeah the one on Clybourne. Oh, I, <laughs> I, my, my brothers both came came in for the holidays, and it was the very first meal that they had, um, and they had to make sure that there was a night. My mom even knows now that whenever they come in town, okay, at least one night's gonna be Pequod's. Well, when Carrie and Brian come in, if you haven't taken them in the Pequod's, it's incredible pizza here in Chicago. I know you guys are East Coast, so New York, Chicago pizza is a little bit different. This is, uh, it's deep. Do you get the deep dish there? I usually just get the, the pan is sufficient the pan? for me. The pan, <laughs> the, the pan pizza is, is sufficient for me. He's yeah. going to take you to our good Chicago. Chicago. I lived in Chicago for many years and um, worked at a place in Lincoln Park that we would have Pequod's deliver once a month oh. at the end of service on a Saturday night. And this was like the top chef in in the world and he wanted Pequod's. He, yeah, he shared a, an amazing story and I don't know if there's enough time for yeah, it. Yeah, we got time. With, we have Charlie, all the time. I'm being respectful. With of your Charlie Trotter. Wow, Okay. Brian, I don't know if you want to talk about yeah. your connection with Charlie Trotter. Shoot. Uh, yeah, so uh, I worked. I was I was the wine director at Charlie Trotter's in Chicago for quite a few years. So that was like the '90s. So that makes me feel really old now. But um, but so besides his intensity and what he was, um, I think I would also not be able to do these races if it weren't for him because of how he pushes for excellence, and and that's really amazing. But also how he experienced food and. Yes, at Charlie Trotter's, one of the favorite nights was when Pequod's would be delivered or when the original pot belly would be delivered. Because yeah. most people don't know that they, there weren't like a gajillion of them. There was just the one on Lincoln. <laughs> right. We'd pick up pot belly every other Saturday morning and everybody would eat pot belly. And it was just, oh. oh. What a cool story. Okay. Is that the, I'm really is that starving the, now. Is that the pot belly sandwich? Yeah. yeah. Pot belly okay. sandwich. Well, yeah. Kyra, Kyra Chris loves knows their cookies. Me. Oh, Chris yeah, loves Kyra their knows. cookies. Yeah. Oh man! Oh, the old <laughs> chip and that brownie cookie. Yeah. What about yours, Kyra? Um, I'm kind of in the same realm as Carrie. I will go for French fries, but specifically, they have to be Portillo's cheese fries. So Portillo's oh. fries. John knows this. Portillo's fries are my favorite fries. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh. I never By really far. do the cheese part. But oh, Portillo's you, are my favorite. Uh, well, you, so the fry itself is good, but when you add the cheese, it's a whole nother dimension. Oh God, so good. <laughs> I sometimes pick up Portillo's to bring it to the studio for John and I. Yeah. And by the time I get here, I've ate all of my fries and half of John's Absolutely. fries before they get here. So John has like half of a large fry left. That's the driver's tax. That's yeah, pickup tax. Right. You eat it as you're on your way here, you know? So, that's, yeah. That's, that's, that's what <laughs> it is, John. Um, well, thank you all for coming on. I want to be respectful of your time. Uh, Carrie and Brian, I, I can't wish you enough luck. Uh, you're both not just incredible athletes, but you're incredibly motivational. And I, I couldn't even begin to imagine the feat when John let me know you guys are gonna be on the show today, but just hearing how in the last decade you guys have both changed your lives in so many different ways for the better, and, and how running and, and these athletic endeavors have, have made an exponential change in your personal lives uh, has really been motivational for me, and I hope for those of you watching and then later on listening to this as well, uh, you got a bit of that motivation. If you're listening to it, uh, I almost, uh, and I've never said this before, but I. I urge you to watch this one. Come and watch it because it, it's been a fun one and, and, and the two of you have motivated and inspired me quite a bit. So I'd love to have you guys back on again when you're done with the race. Best of luck to you. Um, I, you. I, I hope it goes thank smooth you very much. and fun for you guys. Um, and Chris and Kyra, Chris, thank you again for coming on for a second time. Thank you for having us. Uh, obviously yeah, connecting you. us to uh, these two incredible people and Kyra as well. Um, and thank you for the everything the two of you do for not just uh, the American Cancer Society, 
but society and charity work in general. So I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, maybe with enough urging, I will consider doing the <laughs> Chicago Marathon. It wasn't even a thought in my head, but Chris has now twice um, been here and kind of poked me for it. So now the hamster wheel's spinning. There you go. Yeah. We've got time. Yeah, yeah, we got a little bit of time. The we 16 time. weeks made me feel good because still a few weeks out from being All you have to this. be is ready to run a 10K distance at the start of June. If you can run a 10K faster than a 15-minute per mile pace. Well, I could do that today. If you then, can do that at the beginning of June, you can run the Chicago Marathon. You make it sound so easy. Well, that's my job. <laughs> um, Maggie just chimed in. She goes, what an inspirational show. It, it really, really was. Um, John... I know we didn't really do our kind of uh, shout outs at the beginning of the show. Do you want me to introduce what's going on with the uh, space and stuff real quick before we sign off? Well, I tell you what, we're, we're real late right now. So why don't we uh, maybe put that off till next week? Okay, awesome. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you, obviously, to the guests for coming on. Uh, like I said 10 times already, it was incredible. It was inspirational. I appreciate your time. Best of luck to the two of you. Uh, I'm going to follow along on social media. Hopefully you guys give us some updates as, uh, as the race goes on. So thanks again, and uh, we'll see you guys next uh, Wednesday at 3 o'clock. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. In three.